Yeah, no, I think I did put down a bicycle. You did. In room 808, ignoring the fact that I'm not allowed outside. So uh... <laughs> we, can, we can fix it safely for you on one of those things yeah, that you can... Have a turbo, yeah, get a turbo That's for it. That's it, yeah. Welcome to Room 808, the imaginary room where we will give you the eight things which will make your life happier, healthier and more comfortable. Brought to you from Meditation Rocks, hosted by founder Lucy Stone. So today's guest in Room 808 is one of our most popular comedians. He's been seen on 8 out of 10 Cats, Would I Lie to You, Have I Got News for You, and Live at the Apollo. He is the unofficial comedy ambassador for Germany. It is Henning Vein. Welcome to Room 808, Henning. Thank you very much, Lucy. So we're talking about being locked in a room, room 808, for a week or so. And we want to make this experience comfortable for you. So we're going to be learning a bit about what keeps you happy and healthy and well. But can you start by just explaining and telling us what your lockdown experience has been like? Well, I'm an only child, so I'm very happy in my own company. So a week locked away on my own somewhere that... uh, that doesn't disturb me, the prospect of that. So I think that will actually be quite nice. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, what's lockdown be, uh, be like? Done a lot of exercise, done a lot of cycling, been out and about a lot because especially the first lockdown coincided with fantastic weather, essentially all the way from March. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a really, really relaxing year uh, as long as you don't think of the economic consequences of the decisions being made and the lunacy of it all as long as you as you don't think about that at all and just focus on enjoying yourself and fresh air and not having to go to work and all that um i think it's been a really pleasant year but is the exercise quite a new thing for you did you sort of grab this opportunity to get fitter or get out and do more exercise or were you already doing that i used to cycle a lot and I used to be a bike guide many years ago uh, decades ago actually and um, then having lived in London for about best part of know, best part of 15 years cycling fell by the wayside but now uh, moved to Hastings uh, about two three years ago instantly joined the, the bike club uh, and, and, and uh, so I, I was already back into cycling but now this year it elevated it a bit and uh, gone on quite a few trips abroad. So I cycled to Germany to see my mother. Then on another trip, I cycled across France to Spain, take the ferry back to uh, Portsmouth. And now I've also been uh, with a mate to Portugal for a month and we were cycling around Portugal. Amazing. And you mentioned the work element. So you've not been able to perform since February, March, is that right? Uh, Friday the 13th, it was March the 13th, so Friday in Tunbridge Wells, that was the, uh, yeah, that was the final, the last gig of the year. And how's that been for you? So someone that's obviously been performing performing for years now, how have you dealt with that? Quite well, I would say. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's more like I worry for the people who work in theatres, for publicans who run their pubs, build them up for many, many years, just them for now fall off their own, find them, find their existence there in, 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 in tatters. So that, that upsets me. But on a purely personal level, not working, I uh, cope with quite well, I would say. <laughs> You're just a professional cyclist now, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right then, so let's move to room 808. So we can recreate any view for you from this room that would make you happy and make this experience a little bit more positive. What view would you choose from room 808? Well, I'm, uh, I'm led by my dreams there actually, because one recurring thing I've got, one recurring theme in my dreams is that I'm skiing, downhill skiing. Uh, and uh, so I used to, in my early 20s, for a good few years, I was uh, a, a ski guide in the Alps in the winter season. So I was used to being in the Alps for five months at the time. And um, that was absolutely stunning. And then still, I, I really, really enjoy skiing. And, and, and as I say, it's a recurring theme in my dreams. So, so I go, well, I've been skiing all night. And oh, no, it was just a dream. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, therefore the ideal view would be snow-covered mountains, and then if I'm gonna be really greedy, if if then maybe if I could see into the valley, and there would be a lake, so I lay, la, la, so a bit like Lake Geneva, where you're in, in Port Soleil skiing, and then you can see down to Lake Geneva, and and you can see the sun in the valley, and you know people sit in t-shirts. Uh, outside and, and and having a cup of tea so yeah that that would be for me the ideal view when it's like that i think oh i want to go out and then i'm not <laughs> you can after a week you can look forward to it something to look yeah, forward to well, probably if it could be really really bleak for that week <laughs> that would be good so then i've got very essentially no intention of leaving the building <laughs> And is nature important to you? You've mentioned a few times now, getting outside, getting the fresh air, getting to see nature. Is that an important part of your like mental health and well-being? Yeah, very big part. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's very important. I, I, I go insane, say, on tour, we're staying in, when we're staying in a hotel, and then some of them you build once you come out in the window. And so that drives me absolutely nuts. So when we book hotels, Oli, my tour manager, he always, he always phones the hotels before we uh, go there. And he makes very, very clear, he said, we need windows that are open. And uh, so, and if they, if they haven't got that, so I wouldn't stay there if, if I could help it in any shape. Because when, when all you get is that air con, that drives you, I think that drives you to insanity. Yeah, I think you're right. And I hate air freshness. So uh, also there's always been made clear, absolutely no air freshener being used in the room because, I mean, that definitely isn't good for your health. No, the room, the, the window's open in room 808, we've checked, and there's no air freshness, so you're fine. Lovely, and if the sun were to shine in, yeah, then again, I wouldn't even need to leave. Then I happily stay there for a whole week. <laughs> I love it. South-facing, and then the sun is shining in, and I probably somehow they would outside my door, they would give me a newspaper every day. So I could read the newspaper, ideally the Süddeutsche Zeitung. And uh, 
Yeah, I can do that easily for me. That sounds like a brilliant holiday. <laughs> we'll arrange it for you. you. You mentioned touring. Now, I'm interested about your rider. What is on Henning Vane's rider for going to a theatre? If you were performing, what would you have? What are the essential things that you would ask for backstage? Backstage? <laughs> well, backstage. So all we're asking for is two mugs. I mean, you could say it's two mugs. There is two mugs <laughs> at the moment Ollie and I walk in, but uh, <laughs> no, we want two, uh, two small mugs as well. Uh, to drink from because we've got our we've got a juicer with us so and then we we always create a good old mess so we're asking for a towel because then you wash the uh, uh the uh, the juice and then you obviously have to dry it so you don't put it wet back into the box and all that so essentially just all there's on there really is a knife to cut fruit and uh and towel and the very simple to cut the fruit on so no spirits no alcohol no treats no. no just good what's what's your favorite juice combination just give me that as a tip oh well probably a very common one i like apple and ginger and then maybe some carrot in it or something so uh, all fruit and veg then you can actually get brilliant right we're going to come on to food a bit later because i know it plays an important part in your life i want to take you back to germany I know this will be a pleasure for you. Um, <laughs> growing up then, what was your childhood like in Germany? Where did you grow up? And and how proud a German are you these days? I mean, it's it seems like it's kind of your brand Germany. Yeah. Uh, where did I grow up? I grew up in Ruhr Valley, the big industrial part in the old west Germany, not too far from the Dutch border in a town called Hagen, which is... Uh, well, it's, it's next door to Dortmund, which is probably a bit better known. And uh, so, yeah, it's a big, it's, it's a big uh, conurbation. But where I was living, um, you were already over to the other side. You had the rolling hills of the Sauerland, that's what it's called. And uh, that's a quite popular tourist destination for Dutch people who want to go for walks or cross-country, well, back in the day, cross-country skiing, thanks, thanks to climate change. That isn't happening anymore. But when I grew up, I uh, after school I would regularly grab my uh, uh, grab my uh, uh, skis and would go uh, cross country skiing. But I can't do that any longer. Um, yes, and uh, so that is where I grew up in North Rhine-Westphalia, the most uh, popular state of the po most populous of the sixteen states in Germany. And what kind of German am I? Well, I think you can't deny where you're from in regards to how you look at certain things um, and what your the expectations you have. So, like, when people ask me, what do I miss about Germany? It's not anything to eat or nothing. It's, it, the two things, what I miss about Germany are concepts. And the one is proportional representation and the other one is apprenticeships. So that's, that's the two things I missed about because apprenticeship means if you have got someone come around, the tradesperson, they actually know what they're doing rather than you praying that they might know what they're doing, but there is absolutely no guarantee of that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's something I find a little bit uh, tiring abroad when, when people don't really know what they're doing. And that's, I, I wouldn't say that gives me national pride. It's more like it gives me a, 
a national expectation. <laughs> As a German then, so for your piece of music, Henning, um, which would keep you happy and well, what did you pick? Well, there is obviously so many to choose from. What, what to go? And then I go for the one, went for the one that always makes me feel homely, and that is uh, that is a composition by Haydn. Uh, is that Lied der Deutschness, the German national anthem? That <laughs> always that always makes me feel really, really at ease. It's a bit because see, when I grew up and you were listening to the Midnight Use and or then the analysis of the day. Um, at the end of the program, they would play the national anthem and say, this is all radio for the day. See you in the morning. So then you know, okay, everything's in fine order. So it's a bit like when you listen on, on Radio 4 and then at the end of broadcasting, they play uh, God Save the Queen. Right. They play shipping forecast, then God Save the Queen. And everyone, okay, the empire is still <laughs> going strong. So or it's still going anyway. And uh, so gives you that ease and you say, okay, today it's been no major disaster. No, let's see what tomorrow holds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So as a very proud German, you have given yourself the title of the unofficial comedy ambassador for Germany, haven't you? How did that go down in Germany when you gave yourself this job title? Well, I obviously didn't call myself the unofficial comedy ambassador. I'm the German comedy ambassador, and you try tell me tell me any different. Um, how did that go? Well, it was unnoticed because <laughs> it's obviously a very. I work in Britain. I've never done stand up in Germany. It's just uh, it's not a thing. So uh, it's, it's no one knows who I am, and and no one pays any attention to what I'm doing. So nobody from the government has ever asked you to give that title back or to apply <laughs> no, for it? You've no, just well, gone for I, it. I have, though. I have got a brilliant letter that was from the German embassy, and they have got, obviously, their own special stem where it says German embassy. And I've got an invitation from the German embassy, and that's addressed to the German comedy ambassador. <laughs> so they just thought it was official anyway i love it that is so brilliant why why haven't you done stand-up in germany does it literally not exist the circuit in in germany well it is, there, is, there is a lot of it there's a lot more going on now but essentially it was uh, see i stumbled into it when i was living in britain anyway i did come over to the uk to work and uh because the company I was working uh, for back home was about to go under. And I looked at my CV, looked all right, but I didn't speak English other than basic school English. And I thought, well, let's go to Blighty for a few months and learn English. So that was the plan. And uh, then once I was here, I stumbled into stand-up comedy. So there was no major plan or nothing. It was uh, it's just I saw, I walked past the pub. And they had a sign out saying tonight stand-up comedy. And I never heard of stand-up, but I was intrigued. I thought, oh, I wonder what that's like. So and I watched it, enjoyed what I saw. And, and, and I thought, oh, I, I wouldn't mind giving that a bash. So and then it just all developed from there. So there was no, no strategy or, or master plan or nothing behind it. So and that's the reason why, why have I never done it in Germany? Because it didn't present itself. And how was your first gig, both in content and how you felt? I felt about that gig. It was the, it was the, so how it goes, you ring round to venues that do uh, 
like open mic nights and you're probably then given a two minute slot however long and i done a gig on essex road in london in a pub called the purple turtle and it was a no entry gig and it was a link or a, a, a thin long room and you stand at one end and then because no one's paid to get in. There is no emotional investment by anyone. People just want to have a pine and then there's people piping up in the corner with a, a microphone and an amplifier. Now, how did it feel? Well, what I would say about it is it felt plausible. <laughs> so I, doing that gig, going there on stage, talking to people, it felt plausible. I wouldn't say it was good or it was bad. I would say it, was, it felt plausible and it felt like this is doable, let's give this another go. But did you ever think at that point that could become your full-time job? You were working in, is it marketing at the time? Yeah, no, I hadn't looked that far into the future and at that point, playing from two people and there's a dog barking, and playing <laughs> in front of two people with a barking dog, you say, now I go full-time. I mean, that would have just been fanciful. <laughs> So, but then it became, well, it was a hobby. Then they started paying me small amounts of money, like, like a five or a 10 or something. So it was then a paid hobby. Then it turned into a well-paid hobby. And then you had to make that decision. Do I want to temporarily turn this into a poorly paid job? And then try and, and, and keep building it. And then that was, and then in 2005, I won a new act competition. So I started doing stand-up in October 03. Then in early 2005, I won a new act competition called Hackney Empire New Act of the Year, which at the time was relatively prestigious. And um, I won that. And then I, the, uh, Channel 4 had a short-lived panel show called uh, FAQU that was hosted by David Mitchell. And because of the exposure I got was being German, obviously it was a bit of a news story, a German doing our Germans, no sense of humor, all that, so I mean, writes itself. And uh, so I got a little bit of um, heat. Uh, and uh, as that, uh, from, from that, I ended up on that panel show a few times. And then there I was in, say, May 2005. I had won that new act competition. I had a little bit of, of TV exposure. I worked in football all my life. And a year later, the World Cup was coming up in Germany. And then I thought, well, this is a combination. In all likelihood, it should work. So and that's when I then, in, in 05, after less than two years of doing comedy, I said, Sorry, let's go full time. What's the worst that can happen? And you went from strength to strength. That 2005 year was quite spectacular for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was good. That was then uh, also we'd done the uh, the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time. With after winning that competition, part of that prize or the main aspect of the prize was that they put a run on the mixed bill show at the Edinburgh Fringe, which was good. One thing about Edinburgh, when it was the four of us. Um, I just said to everything, I said, we'll need it. We need PR. Let's get this. Let's get poster boards. Let's get absolutely everything. Because I knew the cost would be split four ways. And uh, I thought, now, this is a perfect opportunity to find out what is a waste of money and what isn't Wait for the time when you're up there on your own and have to pay the whole lot. And anyway, then we had an Indian fella in there, Papa CJ. I don't know what he's doing these days. But then he, he was going... We need, he was always 
really pissed off that we didn't have more reviewers. And I said, listen, mate, the last thing we want is reviewers. The show is shit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the different expectations of uh, what acts expect. So that, that was also an interesting uh, part to be uh, a part of. Now, you mentioned uh, the World Cup and football, and you've done quite a lot of work, haven't you, on BBC Radio 5 Live, where you've talked about football, and you know, obviously with your humorous slant. And two elements of your roommate away experience involve football, the book and the guest. Now, talk me through these. Well, with the book, I mean, it's the thing. If you're, if you're, if you're somewhere for a week, you can actually get an actual book and read that cover to cover. Uh, but a book that I like, the kind of book I like, has got lots of numbers in it. So because then your mind can actually wander uh, and wander away with the numbers. And uh, there is, uh, I, I picked the Kicker Almanac, which is essentially the history of German football in numbers. Who has got how many caps against who, who what was the final table in what season? And also it's got essentially is for the, the, the British equivalent is the Rothmans, the Rothmans yearbook. And uh, I would have that. Not least, if that was the only book in there, and then the person who goes into that room after me for a week, and they don't like football, and that's the only book they've got, they would be furious. So uh, just, just for, for the idea of someone absolutely nothing to do with football, doesn't want to know, and also doesn't like numbers. And if they think that <laughs> I love it. And and then the guest that you would be allowed, one guest in Roommate 08, family and loved ones aside, a special guest that will knock on Roommate 08 door. This also had a football connection, didn't it? Yes. Who uh, well, I would, without a shadow of a doubt, it would be Lothar Matthäus, the captain of uh, Germany 1990. And uh, I had the absolute privilege of working with him in... 2018, it's a long time ago now. So, uh, and we were doing, well, a mixture between, well, it was really advertising of sorts, but for um, Courtyard Marriott Hotels. And they done an online series called um, Finding Football, where Matthäus and I would travel around. So why they pick two Germans who speak English, which is as I still can't quite get my head around. So it's very, very odd because then we both had to speak in a language we're not really fluent in. So that was uh, where it would have been so much easier to speak German to each other. So anyway, and um, that was an absolutely priceless experience. That's the, of all the stuff I've ever done, no one has ever been the slightest bit Shellers or something back home, and no one can quite comprehend what I'm doing here anyway. But when I said I'm doing, I'm going traveling with Lauter Mateus, people could not believe it. The jealousy, now, even of people that would never show any jealousy whatsoever, saying, Oh, yeah, we made Lauter, and all that so they would be livid. So, and uh, that was an absolutely priceless experience. So, he is he's a leader. So if there was any problem in that room 808 that needed sorting out, I would definitely send him and he would find a problem that I wouldn't even spot. And uh, he, he would get really, uh, really shirty about it. So that is absolutely priceless. What did you talk about you two when you were traveling around? 
So much stuff, for example. Courtyard Marriott, they want us to travel around Europe. And they offered that thing to Mateus. And then Mateus said, yeah, he can imagine doing that, but he's not staying in a courtyard Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> See, did you stay in there or did you get somewhere else? I stayed there, he didn't. He always got put up in the best hotel in town. Then uh, got cab in the morning to the courtyard Marriott and then after straight back to his hotel. So uh, I hope the windows opened in that courtyard Marriott. Yeah, probably. they did. Yeah, very pleased. Yeah. The one in Edinburgh in the UK bloody didn't, but the ones overseas, uh, they all opened. Good, I'm really pleased. What did you two talk about then? Because obviously this is one of your heroes, to have you know, an audience with a, a childhood or adulthood hero. Are you almost lost for words? I've never been awestruck or something meeting anyone, but with him it was like every moment of every day, I was going, that's Lord of Mateus. So I was just in my, that's actually Lauter Mateus standing there. <laughs> and, uh, well, that is actually Lauter Mateus talking to me. So, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely priceless. Food, I know, is quite important to you. And in Room 808, we can recreate any meal that you've ever had or is your favourite meal. Just that will make you really happy and will make the experience a little bit more joyful. What would you choose? Is there anything particular that you would like us to get for you? Well, I've always got a song. I, I sing a song when there is a slap-up on the horizon. And then I'll <laughs> start a mains dessert, start a mains dessert. So and when Oli, my tour manager, and I, when we're out on tour, that can easily start a mains dessert. So that is when we're both really up for good old slap-up meal. And uh, me... Being vegan, I've been vegan now a good few years, six, seven years or so. Um, I'm always absolutely delighted if I find a place where I can have three course uh, vegan uh, uh, lunch or dinner. So then that, that would be great, having three courses. And any particular meal that you'd like us to create? Anything that you really fancy that would be, make you feel really happy? Just the fact that it's vegan makes me happy. If it could not have too much sugar in it, that would be great and not too salty. But that's the thing about if you go to a vegan restaurant, say the acorn in, in Bath, it will be good because they know they care about it and know what they're doing. So it's not that someone just wants to sh shift pines and then on the side needs to things. Oh, I'll tell you what, let's shift a few few dishes as well. With a vegan restaurant, it's the other way around, isn't it? It starts with the food and then the drinks uh, or what, what complement the, the menu. So, yeah, there is, and that's one of the, the, the probably the greatest website ever or app, uh, Happy Cow. Don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, uh, it's, uh, it's a list of all the vegan vegetarian restaurants the world over. So you can type wherever you are on the map, uh, say Bath or Bristol, or even abroad, like in, in Portugal, you type in the middle of nowhere, I'm here now, show me where are their vegan restaurants and then they, 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 they show them all. Why did you decide to go vegan then? What was that decision behind that? Well, uh, my then girlfriend, she was vegan, she is vegan, uh, so it made it easier at home, the cooking. And uh, then once you start looking into it and start thinking about treatment of animals, la di da so for ethical reasons you can't really justify 
keeping uh, eating meat and uh, you feel the health benefits because the pounds fall off you. So the weight just drops off and you just feel so much more alert and happy and, and, and fit and with it. And uh, once you have like, all those positive results, so you, you, I, I can't imagine anyone going back, especially seeing how easy it is. So has your love for food and maybe even cooking sort of magnified since becoming vegan because you've had to learn more about what you can eat and how things go together or not? Uh, I think I was always excited about eating. Um, it's just what I'm excited about, what dishes I'm excited about has obviously dramatically changed. But, uh, and yeah, well, if, if, you, if, if you haven't had of, say you're on the road and you haven't had a, a slap up for a few days and then you go some in somewhere and say this is starters mains dessert so you are absolutely overwhelmed by positive energy and think this is fantastic and i know that we we've had you know you've come to some of my yoga classes and you've done some of our online sessions at the hive Yoga as well is a, a fairly new addition to your life, isn't it? How again is this a similar way? It was your girlfriend, exactly the same person, yeah, exactly yeah, the, the yeah. same person, Thea, and she, uh, she's a yoga instructor as well, and she's always done yoga lots and lots, and uh, and then I thought, oh, I, I wanna, I wanna be able to sit on my heels. So why can't I sit on my heels any longer? It's ridiculous. So and then you just start. Uh, start getting into it, in, into the bending. And um, again, something I think I'll never turn my back on again. And what sort of benefits have you felt? If you felt stronger or is it the flexibility? Flexibility, well, it's what you train. It's a flexibility, definitely. Uh, balance, massively improved balance, strength improved and uh, clearness of mind. And when you're on tour then, are you able to bring your yoga practice to, to your backstage or are you looking for local classes? How does that weave into your tour life? Uh, all of the above. So I've got a yoga mat in the car, which I always take into the dressing room. Um, so and if it's just like, I don't know, a few cat cows or something, just to limber up a little bit. So I do that and then when on tour, I look up, in addition to the vegan places, I look up where we can do yoga. And I know when I can, I tend to go to a class if there is anywhere, I tend to go to, the, to a class in the morning. And have you found any really good ones, really bad ones, any funny experiences? I would say the best ones are online with the studio in Bath. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say which one. Uh... <laughs> Well, I'm going to make you say the name now. Which one, Henning? <laughs> I've forgotten their name. Uh, no, uh, the Hive. The Hive Yoga. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll, I'll check them out. Thank you very much. Have you been there? Heard of them? I've heard they're very good, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's, uh, that's, that's been great, I have to say, during lockdown, doing all uh, your online classes. So that's been really good seeing what all the studios are shut. So that made a real difference to to lockdown as well. Um, say if you go to a small town and you go to a yoga class that's attended by the same five people every week, uh, they can become quite cult-like. And then you think, what is this that I've wandered into here? But uh, again, you know, 
you'll just get the biggest benefit for yourself out of it. Do the stretches as well as you can. And then, you know, in an hour's time, you never have to see them again. So that all that, <laughs> so that's all fine. I love, I, I love it. So um, it's what is really good is go into different towns and bump into people who are on your wavelengths. That's good about going to somewhere yoga studio, vegan restaurant and all that, you know there will be a peaceful atmosphere and, and people will, broadly speaking, be on your wavelength. So that's really nice about it. Um, it's rare that there is any bad experience. Like one, I, had, I went to a class once in Brighton that was hosted by two people and that was all a bit weird. So they were, he clearly fancied her, she fancied herself on the Broadway and the combination of that was, for my money, they just did themselves injuries. So then he tried to do, yeah, you do this pose like that and everything was out of alignment. And I just thought you do it like that another three times and you're in an A&E. So that's definitely not how you do it. So, and uh, yeah, and uh, them too, they were absolutely priceless. They didn't care one bit about the pain, the pain punters, they were just doing their really badly orchestrated and choreographed two-man show. So it was priceless. But again, you go home from that and uh, you think, well, that was an experience I won't forget in a hurry. <laughs> and talking about keeping fit then, again, another two linked elements to Roommate 08, your luxury item and the, the kit that you need for a hobby were kind of the same thing, weren't they? Tell me about what you would pick for some entertainment in Roommate 08. Yeah, now I think I did put down a bicycle. You did. In Roommate 808, ignoring the fact that I'm not allowed outside. So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can fix it safely for you on one of those things yeah, that you can... Have a turbo, yeah. Get a turbo there for a week. That's it, yeah. Have a nice turbo because... I'm looking into getting one anyway, but I'm not sure if I want one because I think that once you have got one of them, you might not go out on the road quite as much. That's my concern. Uh, but that would be a very good way in if I'm not allowed out anyway. So it would be a great idea to try out for a week. So cycling is a massive passion of yours, isn't it? Has that always been the case then? You were riding as a child and you just loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a bike courier when I was little, then I was delivering. A bike courier? What's that? Tell me more. Well, that was the more eco-friendly version of a car courier. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you would deliver stuff to people, usually pharmacies. They have got their regular clients and so then you you get their stuff to to them essentially like delivery but with uh, pharmaceuticals now we're coming almost to the end henning we've got a little bit more to go but the guest book that we have in room 808 where you write a few kind of life lessons you want to pass on to future guests or just things or mantras that keep you well and positive can you remember what you put down and, and can you talk us through those? Well, probably in my own self-righteous way, I probably put down there, go vegan. You'll feel the, the benefits, pretty sure about that. And then don't write a match plan because it will never come together anyway. So uh, one thing I learned is there is no reason why we should be speaking now. 
There is no reason we should know each other. There is no reason I should be in Hastings. There's no reason I should be in Britain. There's no reason I should be doing stand-up comedy. None of that was foreseeable. None of that was pre-planned. It's just how life turns out. So just keep your peepers open. Be open-minded within reason. I mean, without running down every cul-de-sac. Um, keep your eyes open and stuff will happen. And if that doesn't happen, like I've got that, that, that really, I've, I've been practicing that now for a long, 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 long time, well before I moved to the UK. And he said, you never know what's good, what, what, it, what, what, what it's good for. So with everything, who knows what the long-term benefit that at this stage you can't see will be. So, and that is like, whenever, whatever happens to you, you never know what it's good for. Are you quite laid back then, Henning, would you say? You're quite a relaxed character, kind of go with the flow almost? Yeah, go with the flow is, yeah, go with the flow whilst... Having a plan. <laughs> go with the flow whilst having a plan, yeah. <laughs> Always the flow, but without any hurry. Nice. You're, 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 you're talking about, you know, a state that we call in, in meditation and yoga called flow, actually. It's about not trying to control everything, allowing an, an element of spontaneity and almost trusting instincts and intuition. Would you say that would be quite accurate? Yeah, I think you can definitely go by your gut feeling on many, many things. And... There is no point rushing anything. Uh, at the same time, there is no, there is not always a good reason to prolong things either, to be fair. So, uh, um, yeah, I would say don't rush. You never know what it's good for. And by the time, if you don't do anything for a long time, more often than not, the problem sorted it solved itself anyway. No, I was going to say, you, you seem like you're quite philosophical about things, almost the way that you sort of started the chat about lockdown, you know, because a lot of people have really, really struggled when their career has been sort of stripped away. And you've kind of gone, right, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to have basically a gap year. I'm going to enjoy cycling and get outside in the nature. You seem like a very positive sort of person. Would you, would you say that you are? I believe so. I'm, I'm, I'm really down in the, down in the, what, what's the phrase? Down in the Dumps. Dumps. Dumps? Dumps, yeah. Yeah, I'm really one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's in many ways. It's now this, this has happened for me. If this has happened 10, if this, if this had happened to me 10 years ago, it would have been a bigger issue than it is now. We also have to be realistic about that. So, and if I, if I was living in a two bedroom flat with a wife and three children, and now I'm also allowed outside, then it would be a different story again. So I'm just very fortunate that uh, on the one hand, because I, uh, essentially just before the lockdown, I split up with the, uh, uh, with the girlfriend. And uh, I think we're both quite glad about that. Because if the alternative had been being together here, we were good terms with her, uh, but if we both had been here together throughout, it wouldn't have been as relaxed as it is now. So, and I think we both agree on that. 
Wonderful. I think you're. I think it's you're speaking for a lot of people there, Henning. Um, what is next? Tell me about. Obviously, we don't know what's next, and we, you've just sort of talked about not having a plan. But what's on the horizon when we open the doors and let you out of Room 808 and you can get on your bike? What are you going to do? What's in the next sort of six months for Henning? Well. Uh, Henning needs to uh, build up a show uh, because I'm meant to be touring from September um, and that's all good and well uh, but need a product to go around with and you need to hone a show otherwise it will be ter terrible um, like a terrible experience if you have to go out night after night with something now, I'm not sure about this uh, this still needs a lot more work that is no way to live your life so because then I mean, all laissez-faire is instantly gone. It will be absolutely dreadful. So I have to get me 60 previews in. And uh, yeah, bloody hell, I can. So uh, if the venues are allowed to trade, um, and you can go to places like the Betsy Trotwood in Farrington, a small pub, uh, and can do previews there. And uh, that would be on the horizon. Then obviously in June, July, we have got European Championships coming up. Uh, then today I registered for the June the 19th, um, there is something called Chase the Sun, where you cycle from Kent over to um, your neck of the woods there to Western Supermare. And uh, do that, you, you, you set off in, in Kent at sunrise and then by sunset you should be 205 miles further down the road in, in uh, in Western, so, and that's on June the 19th, and I registered for that this morning, so I better start uh, putting some miles in. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing pretty well. <laughs> and, and, and those 60 previews, so then you're not really doing this online at the moment, so you, you're gonna need things to open up, aren't you, fairly soon? Yeah, 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 yeah. That online thing, thing is a bit hard on the audience. You like that you like that interaction, that feedback, that engagement with people. I mean, how long do you want to look down a single shot? So how long can you watch someone do something with a single shot camera and no real audience reaction and all that? It's like yeah, at that stage, I think you're better off actually being at home and rehearse the show without an audience, which is something I really don't want to have to do. But if all else fails, I have to write the show and then try to, because usually I write a show by audience feedback and then I'll do it. If you do it often enough, do it again and again and again and again, you will find a narrative. And then once you've got the narrative, you have got enough that the jokes write themselves. It's more for me, it's more important to have the narrative. And I'll find that if I do a preview often enough, can I replicate that at home? Well, I probably will have to in some shape or form, but that's not something I look forward to in any shape or form. Just finally, last few questions. Where do you find your inspiration for stories and for, for um, your show? Is it, have you got a notebook that you carry around? Is it life experience? Is it anything particular? Well, I've always got pen and paper on me and then I write down on little scraps of paper some ideas. And then I end up with a pile like this. Uh, and then I say, no, I have to type it up into, uh, type it into a Word document. I can chuck everything in the bin. So I've got a Word document. And I'll say I've got now 180 A4 pages of new ideas 
and new bits and bobs of material since the last chance so on 180 pages is 15 times more than you need for a show but it needs to be you need to pick the right bits out of the 180 pages and they need to link together so that's the that's the challenge now and has it been inspired by lockdown a little bit the whole kind of theme for this or what can you tell us well what we can definitely agree on is that until lockdown, I didn't realize how many idiots there are in the country. And that's something everyone can agree on. It's just they have very, very different opinions who classifies as an idiot. So, and that's essentially where you're back at Brexit and, and, and everything again, isn't it? It's essentially like 50-50, uh, who is an idiot, the ones who think Bill Gates is after us, or the ones that say, the moment I leave the front door, I drop dead. So, I mean, all is essentially, and again, I try to have an impassionate view on that and try and sit on the, on the fence. Like the last show was an unbiased look at Brexit. Uh, I think I pulled that off all right. So, and let's see if I can do an unbiased look at COVID, except for with Brexit, I actually was unbiased. Whilst with this, I, uh, I tend to lean to one side a bit more. <laughs> yes. All right. No, that is brilliant. And so have you got a name for your show? Or are you still working on that? It's all come out in the wash. That's what it's called? Yeah. Brilliant. I'm standing there and bringing something out. The picture's already taken. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that little scoop. Um, brilliant. Well, Henning, I wish you all the luck and love with this tour think that it'll be fantastic I will try and come and see it I hope that you get back into the theatres very soon and thank you for being in room 808 thank you very much Lucy thanks for accommodating me for a week and <laughs> thanks especially for letting me out as well at the end of it so uh, my pleasure thank you very much much to Henning Vane for joining us in Room 808. Coming up in next week's episode, we have David Flatman, ex-England and Bath rugby player. I hope you can join us then. I work on sports TV and stuff, and a couple of times they've said to me, look, it's a Friday night game. Everyone else on the panel is, we're standing by the pitch. Everyone's wearing jumpers and scarves or coats. Could you please wear a jacket? Because I'm just in a shirt. And I said, I'm not cold. It's 10 o'clock, half nine, 10 o'clock at night. I'm not cold at all. So yeah, but it looks weird. So <laughs> I'm, so genuinely, I like it because, you know, people imagine you standing in the sun doing a barbecue. I do that, but nine months of the year, it isn't like that, is it? So I'm very happy out in the rain if I've got shelter or in the wind and cold. I'm very happy to be out in the cold. I love it. So I worked as a rugby player. I guess I kind of worked outdoors for a long time. So 